And here we go. Live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Jace Brown, and Dawson Wise on a Monday night back in studio after some bad weather. And we got a lot to talk about in this hour. Plenty of NFL. Lamar fends off the playoff struggles. The 49ers sneak past the Packers. But we begin with Mahomes getting the best of Josh Allen and the Bills once again. Despite traveling for the first time in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes under center, the Chiefs outwilled the Bills 27-24 on Sunday. Bills kicker Tyler Bass sent his 44-yard field goal wide right and sealed the deal for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes took advantage of the Bills dropping back in coverage as opposed to sending pressure. Mahomes was able to get some big plays down the field, and he finished 17-23, of 23, passing for 215 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Josh Allen, 26 of 39, 258 total yards and three total touchdowns. And the Bills, once again, are going home as a result of losing to the Chiefs and uh, also Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow both now bouncing uh, Josh Allen out once again. Will the Bills ever be able to get over the hump and make it back to the AFC Championship? We begin with that. I keep saying they will, and then they show me a way that they won't. Um, they keep finding ways to lose these games. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a franchise find this many ways to lose this kind of game. Uh, I mean, and as long as they keep drawing Mahomes in the divisional round or Burrow, like you said, I just don't see it happening because it feels like they're just going to find another way to, to even even in a game that looks like they're going to win, just not end up coming away with a victory. I just at this point, I I'm beginning to not get it. Like it feels mm-hmm, like yeah. you know, it's, I don't know what's going on, and, and I think it gets harder. Um, if you've if you've happened to look into the details of Josh Allen's contract, his cap hit next season is tremendous. It yeah. is somewhere in the range of forty seven million dollars, which is absurd to think about. Um, and you almost have a similar situation to what you had with Mahomes this year, what we talked about, where you got to get cheap somewhere else than than at quarterback. Um, and if they have to do that, I mean, does the formula continue to work? And we saw the struggles the Chiefs had this year. Obviously, they have gotten it together, it seems, but. Does it continue to work? I mean, this felt like their best chance to do it. I mean, Mahomes an offense on a down year. The Chiefs on the road for the first time in the playoffs. You have your home fans in a great environment. Buffalo's a tough place to go and play and win. And you even you got plays to go your way that I don't think they've gotten to go their way in the past. I mean, mm-hmm. you have that fumble into the end zone by Miko Hardman, which you would say what you want about that rule, yeah. say what you want about that call. It was an accurate call. They get the ball back. They get a second wind, and it looks like for the life of me, I thought – for once, they were going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a couple weird decisions. I mean, obviously, if Diggs dropped the deep ball, that was, I mean, crushing down the sideline. Yeah. You have the drag route as well that's open on third down to Stephon Diggs. You decide to throw it in the end zone instead, and Josh Allen misses him. I mean, he had a guy open. It just, you missed the throw. And then obviously, Tyler Bass, I mean, he did, he tried to do what he was supposed to do and come on and kick a field goal, and it just doesn't go. And yeah. I don't know. Every time I feel like they can get there, they prove to me that they can't. Yeah, I mean, and it's going to be tough to not be pulling either Mahomes or Burrow in that divisional round anyways because, I mean, you think about it, those three teams have been towards the top of that of the AFC for like the last few years, barring, of course, Cincinnati this year. But, I mean, besides that, you, Lamar finally finds his footing like we were talk, like we're going to talk about. And, you know, once Justin Herbert and that crew gets going, I mean, you're going to have to run into them. So, it's not looking good for the Bills, and I mean, like you said, you got to get cheap somewhere if you want to succeed and take that next step. And I mean, I just don't know the spot that they can do that. And I mean, I don't think they're going to be wanting to give up Josh Allen anytime soon. 
yesterday, I think, signified once again how important coaching is in the NFL. And this will now be the second year in a row I will call for the Bills to remove Sean McDermott. Offensive coaching is superior now in the NFL. And it can be – you can have a defensive-minded guy, and it can work. But I think we've seen for multiple seasons now where Sean McDermott, a defensive-minded guy, is wasting what he has with Josh Allen post-Brian Dayball. Last night, in a sense, Josh Allen was a game manager that could use his legs up until the final drive when they hit the panic button and said, hey, go win the game for us. Go do something. 16 completed passes behind the line of scrimmage yesterday. That's Brock Purdy numbers. He ran the ball really well. That's great. You know, uh, you know, first and goal, running it in. He had two touchdowns, 50-something yards. That's good stuff. And he's really good at running the football. A lot of people think I'm a Josh Allen hater. I'm not a Josh Allen hater. I'm actually going to try and help the guy out. They need a change at coach. Brian Dayball had an, an, a massive impact on him. And even go ask Josh Allen. He'll tell you that, too. And I think they are wasting his talent because they don't know how to use it. And we've seen now for two years in a row where they are now out in the same weekend they were last year because they don't know how to correctly use Josh Allen. And I think offensive-minded coaches, when they come in and can make an impact, it's almost night and day between the prior year and the year they have the new guy involved. Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer compared to Doug Peterson. In 2021, Lawrence had a 59.6 completion rate, 3,641 yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Doug Peterson, an offensive-minded guy that knows how to hone in his talent and use his quarterback, 66 completion rate, uh, 4,113 yards, 25 touchdowns, and interceptions. Night and day numbers. Jalen Hurts. Oh, everyone loves Jalen Hurts, a guy that was really good with Shane Steichen last year, right? 67% completion rate, 246.7 yards per game, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Shane Steichen leaves. Brian Johnson now the OC. 2023, 65% completion rate, 226.9 yards per game, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Night and day numbers. And the impact that Brian Dayball had on Josh Allen, he knew how to hone him in. He knew how to use him correctly. Josh Allen makes some erratic throws, makes some hero ball throws. Uh, you know, Sometimes has a turnover problem, but Brian Dayball knew how to counter that and hone him in. They don't have that right now, and they will not be able to get over the hump until they can figure that problem out. I think McDermott should be gone, and I think you should bring in an offensive mind, a guy that can use Josh Allen the way he should. Andy Reid, he knows how to use Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Joe Burrow's done pretty well with Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. They know how to use him. Josh Allen's just a product of – and also, Lamar Jackson, a guy we're about to talk about. Todd Munkin comes in. Oh, my gosh, nine day. A coach knows how to use his players, offensive-minded guy. It makes a big impact. They will not get over a hump with Sean McDermott. Um, now let's move over to the Chiefs, a little bit positive light. Um, what did you take away from the Chiefs' performance yesterday? 
they seem to be back to their old selves. This felt like the team that we've watched dominate for the last five or six years. Um, it was their best effort of the year, I think, at receiver by far. Mm. Yeah. Rasheed Rice continues to impress me. Every single week, it, it, he just continues to grow. Um, and that allowed Travis Kelsey to have an excellent game. I think it's one of his better efforts of the season. And it allows Mahomes to flourish. It allows Mahomes to say, all right, well, my receivers are working. I'm able to, to work well and succeed. I think Marcus Valdez-Scantling had one of his better efforts yes, of the year. Yes, well, he made a couple of great catches in this game uh, all of his receivers benefited that offense churned really well the running game was back into it as well Pacheco and, and Clyde edwards Eler actually had a solid night as well out of the backfield this felt like the old Chiefs that I, I knew it the second they got on their first couple offensive drives and marched down the field I was like we are back to seeing the old Kansas City Chiefs they found something you know in the midst of a season where they were shaky at the right time they have found something, and defensively, it's just more of the same. We know what they bring to the table yes. defensively, and their defense wreaked havoc a few times when they needed to, um, and gave Mahomes the lead late. Um, you know, obviously, could have had a two-score lead. We talked about that play with Nicole Hardman a little bit, uh, but he gave him the lead and made Buffalo have to go make a play, and let alone they're they're going on to Baltimore. Yeah, it, it felt like they, like you said, kind of went back to their old selves. They even though they found themselves in not a great situation, they found a way to get out of it and pull out with a win. Uh, especially late game where we know that they're always good with Patrick Mahomes. They didn't have to rely on him this time thanks to that defense. So defense rounded up really good. Like you said, those receivers played really good. Valdez Scantling didn't have pan hands today or yesterday. <laughs> Rasheed Rice. <laughs> Four targets, four catches. I mean, you got a reliable guy there. Kelsey, two touchdowns. I mean, not suspect to that. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw that in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, like you said, it really does feel like this team has found their footing, and, I mean, no better timing. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes not having played a away playoff game was supposed to be an indictment on him, uh, you know, something that he probably can't do or – or uh, impacts his legacy. I saw some Bill Cornhead, <laughs> Cornball fans saying that. Um, but 74% completion rate, 9.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, zero turnovers, 132 rating. That's uh, pretty good from the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think the Chiefs, once again, relied on their really good defense. The biggest impact was the fact that they got a lot of guys involved uh, receiving-wise, multiple receivers with multiple catches, Travis Kelsey, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Rasheed Rice, Noah Gray, all with multiple receptions. I think this is the best the Chiefs have looked offensively in a while against a good team. And that's a really good defense on the other side. And uh, I I think this was a really good performance from them. And as you said, they'll move on to Baltimore. Uh, The last question I'll raise before we get to the phones here, have the Chiefs found their offensive groove now? Is that that safe to say? I think they have. I think they found something at least. You know, maybe still not to the level that we're used to with a a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, but I think they found something that works. Obviously, it worked enough to get past a top-five defense in the NFL um, and do so, I thought, not easily, but it felt like at times they just were marching down the field. It was chunk play after chunk play, mm-hmm. similar to how they played against Miami last weekend. I think it was more of the same, so they have found something that works. They found a pattern that works, and everything's working better because of it. I thought the run game was excellent. I, I said on Friday the key to them winning this game was they were going to have to get the run game going. I thought that's why Buffalo had an advantage, and – for the most part, Kansas City outrushed them in this yeah. game, um, and it, it proved to be a difference. Their offense churned like it hasn't since last season when they made a run to the Super Bowl, so I think they found something there. Yeah, it feels like they took a step up in maturity, too. I mean, there's a bunch of young guys that you know weren't shaking, 
weren't shaken up on the road in Buffalo. And, I mean, of course, Mahomes never having a road playoff game, like you said, was still the same old Mahomes that we're used to. So, I mean, have that under your belt. Now you're going to have to go on the road again. I mean, not too much to be upset about for this team. Yeah, I think it's definitely found their groove. And now we'll head to the phones, 865-546-8200. Your number if you want to hop in and join us. Jashy boy, congratulations on your six-unit cash on Saturday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really happy about that, William. It I, finally came home. I, I bet you were. That was a, a nice way to win. You're right there in the stands watching it go down. Um, there yeah. you go. Thanks. So, uh. What did you guys think about the Tennessee-Alabama game Saturday? Yeah, you know, I think we all thought it was a really dominant performance uh, defensively, uh, holding uh, Alabama, a team that came in shooting, uh, you know, or uh, scoring 90 points a game and, and holding them to a season low in, in scoring total and also forcing 22 turnovers on them, uh, really mucking up the game and uh, really controlling the tempo from the tip-off to the end of the game. And I think that was something that um, Alabama was going to try and come and set the tone early of how they wanted to play very fast, a lot of three-pointers, a lot of layups, and they were not able to do that um, because of Tennessee's really stout perimeter defense and uh, just kind of controlling the pace of the game. Yeah. I thought uh, Meshack was a pest on defense. Yeah. And – he made it really hard for Alabama to like run their offense, and you think this was Alabama's uh, worst shooting performance of the whole season? Yeah, I mean, statistically it was, too. I mean, they, they just cannot shoot um, at, at a high clip as well, and I think um, you really saw an impact and an in a, uh, emphasis, I should say, on Marcus Sears, a guy that came in shooting uh, 53% from the field on 20 points a game, uh, forced into bad three-pointers throughout the night, rough possessions, uh, leading to a bunch of turnovers and a couple frustration fouls in the second half. Really kind of took him out of the game. A career-high seven turnovers for him. So I think the emphasis uh, for the Vols uh, going into that one was make Mark Sears uncomfortable. And um, also um, – Gosh, I slipped in my mind the the guy they got from uh, Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson, he was totally taken out of the game as well. Really a non-factor. Uh, I, I think it just is a a tribute to how well Tennessee defended. Yeah. So uh, I got a question. So why are the Vols not playing a midweek game this week? Why are they off for like a whole week? Um, I think it's just scheduling. Just, uh, just get a week off. Yeah, because the Lady Vols don't have a midweek game this week no. either. I yeah. don't believe. Uh, uh, nope. Yeah, just a just a kind of a week off, uh, kind of almost like a bye week in uh in, in college football. I think each team gets one week, um, where they're they're not having to play during the midweek game. Um, I I think that's it. It's the first time in forever that I remember that the Vols haven't played in a midweek game in the SEC. That's good. Yeah, that is interesting. Also, you know, allows uh, Tennessee to get rested up real quick after a, a big one, um, uh, really a fun one, I, I guess I should say as well. Just kind of come back to come back down a little bit, and enjoy the win, but also get back to work during the work week during the and uh, not having to worry about traveling or or having to uh, play a game. Who uh, who were you guys more impressed with yesterday, the Detroit Lions or the Kansas City Chiefs? Huh, that's a good question. We'll go around the table here. I, I'll I'll begin with the Chiefs. I think there was a lot of unknown about uh, how they would perform on the road, 
and I think they completely silenced that notion, even though they gave the Bills a couple opportunities to get back in that game. Um, I think this was the Bills' best chance if they ever wanted to beat the Chiefs, and they still couldn't get it done. I think that's an, a, a tribute to Patrick Mahomes' greatness, how really good that defense is. And um, I, I think they proved that, hey, we can win on the road in a tough environment as well. Now they got to do it again this weekend if they want to get to the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I think it proved that Mahomes can play on the road and this defense is legit and this offense has really gotten its rhythm going. Dawson? It's, it's the Chiefs for me as well. I mean, they, they needed to win this game, I think. <laughs> I talked about it a lot on Friday that I thought yep. there was some pressure on the Chiefs this weekend. And, lo and behold, they, they went in and did it again. I did not have the Chiefs winning this game. I had no. Buffalo winning this game um, for sure, and they, they didn't. I mean, Kansas City went in and proved, proved me wrong for sure. I do think the Lions were surprising, though. I, I didn't think they would lose to Tampa Bay, but certainly they, they played very well. They played better than I expected them to. Um, it was a close game late, but it, you know, it was a two-score yeah. game yeah. at one point in this game, late in the game, and you know they obviously turn over Baker Mayfield to end it. I'm surprised they've made it as far as they have. So I think both teams are impressive, but the more impressive team this weekend was for sure Kansas City. Yeah, Chiefs definitely, especially, I mean, just the first thing is winning on the road in the playoffs is no easy feat for anybody. And, I mean, you go up to Buffalo with a team that's finally found their footing going into this week, have played great the last six, seven weeks, and you go in there and beat them. Granted, it took it took some magic, of course, some horrible play calling like the DeMar Hamlin fake punt run uh, and a Tyler Bass missed field goal, which, you know, hasn't been the thing for them this past year. I mean, Tyler Bass wasn't great. He didn't feel like his normal self. Uh, and, you know, that Mahomes magic is a real thing. So he he felt really mature. It, it didn't feel like he was nervous at any point. He had a lot of composure in there yesterday. So definitely I think the Chiefs take that cake for me. Yeah. So, uh, William, you think the Bills need to move on from uh, Sean McDermott? I think – only thing they're missing, I think they need to go out and hire a really good offensive coordinator, which they've not done since uh, Brian Dayball left. Yeah, exactly. And and I, my thing is more so McDermott also with the way that defense played yesterday. Um, I didn't think it made any sense to drop him back in coverage and give Mahomes all day. Um, so I, I think you've just had a couple seasons now of blunders in big games in the playoffs. And I think that starts at coach with there's a repeated pattern of it. I think you have to point there. Um, now, if you go get an offensive coordinator that can, can that can get it done, then so be it. I know they just gave McDermott an extension this past summer, so uh, firing him probably is not the most likely scenario. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've got to get an offensive coordinator that knows how to use Allen, and they have not found that since Dayball. Uh, I think Joe Brady's very smart, was really good um, with LSU back in the day. Um, but I, I think this is a – a missed opportunity letting Josh Allen just waste his talent when they don't have someone that can know how to use it. Yeah. And uh, last thing out the door, Falls are probably going to have one of the best quarterback rooms in 2025 with uh, McIntyre coming in. Yeah. So with the three, do you think there's a chance one of the two will chance transfer Merklinger or McIntyre or do you think both of them will stay put have a good night yeah you as well Josh boy thank you for calling in uh personally I think Merklinger will transfer um probably after two seasons I think he'll stay here for now get some good film get some good experience and um he will compete 
for that start or for that uh, second string position next year, um, and, and most likely be the second string guy. Um, now, when McIntyre comes into town, I, I think they'll likely have a battle for that position. And if um, you know McIntyre wins, I'm sure Merklinger will leave. Um, but I mean, I'm, it's no shade to Merklinger. I just don't think um, it's going to be. I think it's going to be hard to to, to beat out McIntyre uh, when the time arrives. For me, I think it's. I think you're right. I think he will, but I think he'll spend a, a couple of years here first. Um, it feels like next year that you, like you said, they're going to battle for the second string position. To me, it's going to be similar to, to Nico coming in. I don't know if they'll want to start the freshman right away. I know a lot of people wanted Nico to start mm-hmm. this year. We obviously, you know, have seen that it was better to wait and develop him and then put him in the reins in his second year. So. Maybe Merklinger gets a chance to be the guy in uh, in 2025 mm-hmm. when McIntyre's in town. He's a freshman. He can sit. He can learn um, and spend a year really learning the system and developing and getting you know into the right shape that the hypo wants him to be. So maybe he spends two years here. Maybe he gets a year as the starter, and then I think after that he probably tests the waters and goes elsewhere. I mean, it, it kind of feels like how uh, Taven Jackson was yep. kind of thrown in, uh, and you know he's behind JG and Harrison Bailey and all those guys for a little bit, and then. Uh, Coach Heupel brings in Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, and he's still sitting in the same spot he was for those first two years and uh, decides to to leave. So, I mean, I think he does have a shot. I mean, he like we were talking about, he's still like a top ten guy from his class. I mean, the talent's there, but uh, when you bring in two five-stars and you are happen to be in the middle, I mean, it's, it's hard to pass up on those opportunities. Yeah, so uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how Lamar fended off the playoff struggles this weekend. We'll be right back here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game, Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. 
crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows. Com. Back here for segment number two of our number two here on Overtime on a Monday night. Thank you so much for joining us. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us tonight. Let's get back to the NFL where Lamar fended off his playoff struggles, uh, throwing for two touchdown passes and running for two scores as the Baltimore Ravens pulled away in the second half for a 34-10 win over the Houston Texans on Saturday to advance to the AFC Championship game. Uh, Jackson entered the game with a 1-3 playoff record but silenced the noise, completing 16 of his 22 passes, finished with 252 yards, four total touchdowns, and a passer rating of 121.8. Guys, did Lamar put to bed the playoff doubts with this performance? For the most part, yeah, I think he did. Uh, I mean, this was a game that I I pretty much said before this game, if he performs like he has in the past in the playoffs, they're not going to win this game. This is a Texans team that came in fired up. They were playing with house money. Uh, you know They already got further than you expected them to, uh, but Lamar took over in the second half of this game. It, it really rested on his shoulders to go and get them a few scores. He did that. They pulled away, and they got the job done. Obviously, next week, much bigger game. You're not playing a team with house money anymore. You're playing a Kansas City team. But to even have this chance for Lamar, I mean, this is the first time we've seen him in an AFC Championship game. So it'll be a huge moment. I think he silenced a lot of noise. He's really got a chance to silence the noise um, on Sunday uh, on Sunday afternoon if he can go and do the same kind of takeover effort he did against uh, against Houston. Yeah, I, I think playoff doubts mostly over, like you said. Uh, I think the one thing maybe it just didn't feel like he had too many chunk plates through the air. Which, I mean, of course, this wide receiver room, it's turned out to be decent. Most people didn't see too many big names in there at the start of the season. Uh, thought it might have been a little bit iffy, but they've really rounded it out. Uh, just not too many big-time plays. I mean, the longest pass yesterday was – or was it yesterday? Yeah, I think yesterday was for 21 yards. So, I mean, not too – like – Stretching the field in that department, but I mean, 100 yards rushing from a QB is always impressive uh, against anybody. So I mean, this next week's going to be an even bigger text test. So I mean, we'll see how he lives up. Yeah, I think he definitely put the you know put to sleep the doubters at least for now. Um, obviously, a game against Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs is a lot bigger task than playing the Texans. But I think the the playoff doubts are more so in those opening round games against teams that you should beat. Um, obviously, I don't think many many people will will bash him if they lose on on Sunday uh, to the Chiefs. Now, if 
he has you know three interceptions and and turns the ball over and doesn't play well, then okay, maybe we could get back to that. But um, I, I think the, the 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 doubts were about okay, he gets to the playoffs now. What does he look like? And four total scores, I think, was really impressive. Uh, another thing I was really impressed of is when they decided to blitz him. According to Next Gen Stats, Jackson faced a career high blitz rate on Sun or Saturday, excuse me, seventy five percent. And went 13 of 18 for 120 yards and two touchdowns against the Blitz. Um, got rid of the ball an average of 2.25 seconds in the second half compared to 3.51 in the first half. So uh, I think the Texans decided they were going to put more pressure on him in that second half, try and make uh, him make a bad play, force him into a turnover, and I think he handled it really well. Um, that second half was really impressive. At halftime, you thought, okay, maybe we're going to see another loss here. Uh, maybe the Texans are going to surprise us again. Um, but I think Lamar and the Ravens settled in that second half and really took over uh, a big win for them and a big win for Lamar. Um, now, the Ravens outrushed Houston 229-38, to which is a um, jaw-dropping differential. And eventually the Texans' lack of any real ground attack uh, caught up with them. Uh, so my my question here: What was more impressive, the Ravens' run game or the Ravens' run defense? Their rushing defense for me, a hundred percent. I said again on Friday that you know to make Stroud uncomfortable, you were going to have to shut down their run game and make him go make a play, and they they did that in a huge way. And it's a, a Houston rushing attack that's not bad. I mean, Devin Singletary certainly he's a good, talented running back, and. They bottled him up. I yeah. mean, he was barely even ever to get out of the first tackle. I thought Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and, and that defensive front played excellent games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they filled the gaps well, kept them from running, and when Stroud had to go make a play, then they just said, all right, defensive backs, it's on you. Mm-hmm. And they made a lot of big plays in that game. Um, so for me, it's the rushing defense 100% because now you go into a game against a, a Chiefs team that, yeah, they found something on Sunday against Buffalo – but I almost think this Ravens rush defense, the defense in general, when you're when you're playing them at a level like this, I almost think they're a little bit better unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the rush defense for me, like you said. I mean, at the start, uh, Devin Singletary was had eight rushes for six yards. His last carry of the night was the 16-yard run that put him to more than one yard per carry. So, I mean, uh, besides that, they could not get anything going. Like you said, forcing C.J. Stroud to – sort of man up and grow up uh, and make the big-time decisions, which uh, they forced him into bad situations. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, but, I mean, just putting a young guy like that in his first uh, playoff run in that sort of situation, not a good thing for Houston. So I think Baltimore bottling that uh, squad up, only letting them run the ball 14 times, uh, really speaks to how that game sort of panned out. Yeah, to me, I think the Ravens' run game is so diverse. So many guys can get involved. Even adding Dalvin Cook, um, who is a guy that struggled this year with the Jets. He came in with eight carries and I think 32 yards, 23 yards, one of those. Um, But just adding another wrinkle, I know he's well past his prime and not the same Dalvin Cook from a couple of years ago, but the fact that they can plug and play a lot of these guys in there um, I think is very impressive. But I will say the run defense, I think, was the more impressive unit. 38 yards in a playoff game rushing-wise is going to completely take you out of a game, and it really did with the Texans. They were too one-dimensional. You can't be one-dimensional against a team that has a really good defense and has had all year. Um, so to me, more impressive the run defense for the Ravens, and uh, they will now head to, uh, or I guess stay at home and, and play uh, the Chiefs in Baltimore on Sunday for the AFC Championship and a spot in the Super Bowl of 
Lamar could do that, then I think he'll really uh, silence the, the noise come playoff time. Now let's move into the NFC side of things, where the 49ers sneak past the Packers in what was a little bit of a scary one heading into that fourth quarter. The 49ers were able to fight off the Packers 24-21 on Sunday despite trailing by seven going into the fourth. The 49ers under Kyle Shanahan were 0-30 when trailing by five-plus points entering the fourth quarter. They, however, did get it done and and shattered that uh, very weird and, and unimpressive stat. Kind of surprising, really. Um, Brock Purdy, 23 of 39, 252, one touchdown, passer rating of 86.7. Jordan Love, 21 for 34, 194 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Had a very uh, Brett Favre-esque interception to end the game. Um, Packers outrushed the 49ers 136-111, to 111, but the 49ers outgained the Packers in the air 252-194. to 194. So, with all that being said, does this performance change your opinion of the 49ers going forward? No, because I think my opinion was always the same, and that was they are a very good team with very good pieces. The problem is the quarterback plays where all my question marks were, and I don't think any of those questions got answered on no. Sunday against Green Bay. I feel like if you have – good quarterback play, better quarterback play than, than what Brock Purdy gave them, you probably win that game by two scores. Uh, I, I don't think that should have been a close game by any means, considering the Packers defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, On offense, they found something. Jordan Love, by the way, excellent. He, I don't think he was excellent on on, uh, on Sunday, but he was good enough, I think, to, to have them in that game. The problem was he shouldn't have been in that game. I mean, the yeah. 49ers offense is too good for that defense. And yeah. for me, it's just it, now the question mark is if Detroit – who's been good against the run, can lock down CMC, I mean, what are you going to get from, from Brock Purdy? Uh, yeah. You just really don't know. To me, that's the biggest question mark. The defense can only do so much. They gave Brock Purdy chances, and, and he would he was missing guys, missing open guys. I just it, it, To me, it did not answer any of my questions at all. Yeah, I think a few weeks ago I said that they might have been the team to beat in the playoffs. Uh, that has definitely changed. I mean, especially when you compare it to the other one seed in the Ravens and how just completely dominant they were. Uh, I think that changes my perspective. Uh, you know, Samuel injury, the Debo Samuel injury kind of throws a wrench into things as well this week. I mean, they relied heavily on Jawan Jennings, who did show up and play pretty well uh, and eventually was able to help them get over the edge. But, yeah, th- this team has sort of taken a 180, in my opinion. Uh, Dawson, I think you, you brought up the, the main point here, and it's Brock Purdy. Um, uh, my question and my opinion of the 49ers really is wavered throughout the year. Um, you know, when Trent Williams misses time, Debo Samuel misses time, and Christian McCaffrey misses time in that middle part of the season where they lost three in a row, but Brock Purdy was not good enough as a quarterback to overcome that and make some big plays. Now, obviously, losing three guys like that is obviously going to take a little bit of a step back. But my question going into this week is, is Brock Purdy good enough to get it done and make a play to go win a game? And a lot of people are taking that game-winning drive from Purdy on Saturday as a Brock Purdy plus. Like, Brock Purdy drove him all the way down the field. Christian McCaffrey ran the ball a lot. Um, Christian McCaffrey was the one that, you know, got in the end zone there. So, um, I, I don't think Brock Purdy uh, is, is good enough to win them a game. And I don't think he's proven that yet. I think the 49ers' defense is really good. Um, one of the best units in the league from top to bottom. Um, but their offense has 11 really good players, and one guy I don't think is good enough to win them 
uh, a Super Bowl, and that's Brock Purdy. So th- this now brings a very interesting matchup this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but um, I-, I don't know if Purdy's good enough, and it really doesn't change my opinion. Uh, in a sense, it almost makes it a little bit worse that you know the Packers could come in and really hold their own for three, you know, three and a half quarters until a little bit of a fire drill laying the game for the 49ers. A couple bad turnovers, too. Uh, and an Anders Carlson missed field goal away from yeah. that drive for, for Purdy being, you know, you have to go and score points. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, I'll be honest, when Green Bay gets the ball with a minute to go after, after you know, Frisco, you know, scores but gives them the ball, I was yeah, like, Frisco, man. that's right. Yeah. I was like, man. You know, it feels like Jordan Love is going to find a way to the very least tie this game, if not go win this game, just based on how they played and how the Niners had let them stick around. I yeah. just, it's not a team I would have, you know, let stick around. You know, if you get better quarterback play, I don't think they're sticking around. That drive is not to tie or win the game at no. the end of the game. Uh, Brock Purdy has yet to make the big flashy game-winning play to me, for me to even you know be confident in that going forward into into a matchup with a. a Pretty good Detroit team. I think a better Detroit team, talent-wise, than Green Bay is. He's missing guys. I mean, he missed the one down the side, down the left sideline late in the game. Now they end up scoring anyway, thanks to Christian McCaffrey. But yeah. you miss that deep ball down the sideline. I'm like, I mean, he was open. Mm-hmm. You had your guy, and Purdy just threw it way too far inside, and yeah. he had time. It wasn't like he's, you know, he's got guys in his face. He's just missing open guys. He's got forever in the pocket. His offensive line is doing everything they can, and. Yeah. He's missing on easy throws. I mm-hmm. just I don't know. I have a lot of questions about it. So now let's move into the Packers now and what we expect from them in the future because I think this this run from I guess we'll say Thanksgiving until now has been very uplifting for their future. You know, halfway through the year, Jordan Love might not have been the guy. Um and you were kind of banged up offensively and defensively. You get a couple of pieces back Thanksgiving. You hit your stride, get a huge standalone game against the Lions and beat them, uh, beat the crap out of them, really, and really never look back. And now you manhandled one of the better NFC teams and one of the better teams in the NFL on the road last week in the Cowboys and hold your own against a team that many people think should win the Super Bowl this year. So – um, I think the future is very bright for them. A lot of one and two year guys on that offense now. Down the line, uh, money and, and contracts will will be involved. But I think uh, if they're able to hold on to two or three of those guys and, and go forward, I think they'll be a, a very serviceable team going forward. And I think they got their quarterback in Jordan Love. Oh, he's the guy, right? I mean, yeah. it feels like he's the guy in Green Bay for sure. Now held his own against a really good Niners defense. Had some great moments in that game as well. Found his targets well. I think he's got a couple great targets there in Watson and Dobbs. And you keep Aaron Jones around the backfield. Keep AJ Dillon around the backfield. Get a couple more weapons. Build on the offensive line. I mean, they're going to easily be contenders again very soon. Yeah, I'm I'm really really excited about this Packers team. Like you said, it feels like they did find their guy. I mean, of course, Love made some good plays, like you said, but he did look like a first time starter for the most part uh, in that game. Looked a little bit uncomfortable. I mean. You got to learn sometime, and I mean, what better time to do it than in your first playoff run? You're going to play the best of the best, so you know, get that out of the way. You get that pressure off your back. You're like, okay, I can breathe now. I can do whatever. I can do so good in regular season, whatever, uh, with just these young cats that I've got around me. So I mean, you get that guy around some veterans, just here and there. You throw a couple decent pieces on the O line, like you said. I mean, this Packers team is going to be right back into things. And now we move into the other quarterback on the other side, a guy we just talked about for a second there, uh, and Brock Purdy. Is he good enough to make a play when needed? I think uh, 
Uh, he really hasn't shown that outside of a couple nice throws against the Commanders or Panthers. Um, I, I don't know if he's good enough in a in a game on the line situation, perhaps on Sunday against the Lions, uh, to win them a game. I, I really don't. I don't see. I, I don't see it from him, and I, I don't think he's proven that yet. And I think a lot of people that are 49ers backers and Purdy backers um, just kind of pull a lot of that stuff out of their ass. You know, they don't know where that. You know, they don't know where it's coming from. Um, I, I, I've I've never seen it, and uh, I, I really don't understand how people continue to back him. I, I don't get it either. I, I haven't seen it really almost the whole time he's been in San Francisco. You know, he's been good, and I think he, he is held up a little bit by the weapons that he has, but he still, to me, just hasn't had that splash moment yet. You're going into a, a game against Detroit. They have a really good defensive front mm-hmm. that's anchored by Aiden Hutchinson, much better than the Green Bay front you faced in the game last weekend. Aiden Hutchinson is is going to get to the quarterback this weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the weekend, but that's the matchup I'm going to watch in this game is can Brock Purdy – overcome the defensive front of the Detroit Lions and go make a play and get his team to the Super Bowl, right now I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think it speaks more to the the success of the 49ers speaks more to the uh, just the system that Kyle Shanahan has put into place. I mean, they got to a Super Bowl with freaking Jimmy G back there. I mean, that guy had not a great year. Of course, he got injured about halfway through uh, with the Raiders, but I mean, he, he's not like the guy. And I don't think Brock Purdy steps into those and fills those shoes uh, like back in the day when, like, you know, such good guys like Steve Young and Joe Montana back there. I mean, I don't think he comes close to filling those shoes at all. Yeah, I, I don't see it right now. We'll, we'll have to be proved otherwise uh, on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. We'll touch on this game real quick. Uh, Detroit Lions uh, kept their storybook season going and advanced to their first NFC Championship game since 1991 with a 31-23 divisional round victory over Tampa Bay on Sunday. Um, that game got a little dicey towards the end as well. Uh, they Buccaneers go for two, I guess, trying to get the ball back and go for the win. Um, can you imagine if that game was 31-25, though? And, you know, Tampa had that ball last. I would not be able to breathe if I were a Lions fan knowing that a touchdown or any type of points outside of a field goal uh, could end that one. So um, I think this is a uh, – and it was an impressive performance from the Lions. I think the addition of C.J. Garner-Johnson has been huge for them. Adding a guy in that secondary where they've really lacked a lot of uh, 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 not talent but presence throughout the season. That interception to kick off the game was really big for them. Uh, set the tone defensively, and the uh, the irony of it was the fact that CJ had just uh, talked crap about Baker earlier in the week, mm-hmm. saying he's not a good quarterback, um, and that the Bucks would be a great team if they had a great quarterback. And um, CJ intercepted it, gave him the ball back after he intercepted. Uh, that's great theatrics from him, but in all seriousness, I think um, he's been a really big addition back into the lineup. Gives him that little bit of a second wind in, in the in the defense. To me, it's first of all, what a cool story for the Detroit yes. Lions. Yeah. I think I did not expect them to make it this far this season. And now, even if you don't go into San Francisco, win, I mean, you were one step from the Super Bowl with a team that you still have to add pieces to. So I think it's a great story. I think their bread and butter this year has become these kind of close, down-to-the-wire games, yeah. maybe yeah. against teams you shouldn't be going to these kinds of games with. But they've had to win so many of them this season – I mean, I think you've gotten good at it at this point. Holding on to win close games and in the playoffs, that becomes a big reason why you see some of these teams win games is they're able to win close games. 
Um, what a cool story. Their offense is rolling. Yeah. Um, Jared Goff, he's been there, done that too. I think that's huge. Mm. He's been in this situation before. Um, and he's seen some of these Niners players. He's seen this Niners defense a lot over mm-hmm. the course yeah. of his career. I, I don't know if enough people are going to mention that over the yeah. next week. He's seen yeah. a lot of these guys before. Yeah. So it's going to be big to have his experience, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes for them in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, I think a big one from this past weekend was just the performance of Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he had like 115 like total yards. I mean, it felt like he was all over the place. He was pounding the rock on the ground. Had just nine carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's stellar, especially when you throw it in uh, against that Bucks defense that has been pretty good over these last couple years. Uh, also had four catches for 40 yards as well. So, I mean, lethal from both running and receiving. I, I think that just speaks volumes to why they took him at such an early spot. That kind of shocks some people, including myself. But, uh, I mean, if you get that guy rolling, David Montgomery is always going to be your guy. Uh, St. Brown and Laporta have always been – uh, reliable out and ugh, receiving this year. So, I mean, ugh, it's kind of dicey coming into this weekend for the Niners. Yeah, well, I, I think one thing to look at, though, in these two games the Lions have played, uh, the, the addition of C.J. Garner-Johnson has been great, but they've been getting torched in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Evans, eight, eight catches for 147 yards. Uh, Buccaneers registered 349 passing yards this, this weekend. And then just last weekend, we saw Puka Nakua, a rookie, go off for 181. Um, in, in any light that Brock Purdy can have a moment and have a game where he can get it done in the passing game, it's lining up that you know the Lions defense could allow that um, if they don't make a, an adjustment here soon. I mean, uh, Puka last week had a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, Mike Evans had his way yesterday. It, it's a trend now where they're not being able to get stops and – um, I, you know, Baker Mayfield's had a great, great season and a good bounce back year. Um, and I, I, I don't really know what he is in the ranks in terms of Purdy, but uh, the receivers the 49ers have are a lot better than the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I think better than the the Rams as well. And I guess you could debate it, but um, it'll be very interesting because I think that that is a way that Purdy could get some momentum. The Lions can't get a stop there. Um, in the passing game, I think that's a big mismatch. All right, when we come back, we'll close out the episode ranking the remaining four playoff teams in the NFL. Stay right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865 237 3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. 
That's fabricsun.com. And be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Back here on Overtime, rounding out hour number two on this Monday night. Thank you so much for joining us. I do have some quick breaking news we'll dive more into tomorrow. Uh, But the Tennessee Titans have officially hired Brian Callahan as their next head coach. Guy came over from uh, the Bengals. He's been the OC for them for a couple of seasons now. Good hire for them. We'll dive more into that tomorrow. Uh, But let's stay on track here. Rank the remaining four playoff teams. Uh, We'll begin with Dawson. Go around to Jace, and I'll round it out. For me, the best remaining team is the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think it's I don't think it's a question anymore. Um, an excellent defensive effort against Houston. Now you get Lamar rolling as well in the playoffs. I think that's huge for them. Uh, they're the most sure-handed team. I think the one we can be the most confident in to go and score points and be able to to play well. Uh, again, with Kansas City, now they proved it on the road once. They're going to have to do it a second time. So I think it gives Baltimore the edge. But I think the Chiefs are. I think the Chiefs are second. I think after the way they played in Buffalo, they they gave me less question marks than the 49ers did. So I have uh, Kansas City at at two. They had excellent efforts on offense. Obviously, their best offensive effort of the entire season to this point. You score 27 points on a great defense and look like you're yourself again after a down year. And defensively, I thought several guys had really great efforts. They get Nick Bolton back. That's huge for them. Chris Jones, we know what he brings. As well as in the the backfield, they have McDuffie and Legereus Sneed, who – I thought played very well as well. Um, third best, I'm going with San Francisco. Uh, I still think they're third. Uh, I would have put them second if they had a little bit better quarterback play. Uh, I, I think they're, you know, obviously they were at one point the team to beat in the NFC. I still think without the quarterback play, I just have so many questions around that. Yeah. Can they go make a play? But we know what they present for weapons on offense and defense. A very talented team that certainly, you know, that could change barring this weekend. And mm-hmm. It leaves the Lions at fourth. I hate to do this to the Lions, but it's just the quality of the, of the teams you play in the playoffs. I mean, 
You know, the Lions have not yet been there. Dan Campbell's not been there. Jared Goff has, but that's about it. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a good group of players. Um, definitely, I think, the least convincing. Maybe you could put the Niners at least convincing, but over the course of the weekend. But you talked about Jameer Gibbs. He's getting rolling. You know what you have in David Montgomery, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jared Goff. They're rolling. That yeah. offense can yeah. score a lot of points. And if you can do that against San Francisco, you put pressure on Brock Purdy to make a play. So, they're fourth best, but they, you know, again, could change that after this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much going to mirror you on just about everything on this one. I've got Ravens at one, of course, just because I mean they've been the most, they've looked the part for sure. I feel like they're the most untouchable team left, uh, just firing at all cylinders, all cylinders, offense running, running right down people's throats. Not having a problem there. Uh, defense always looks stellar. Played really well against the run and against uh, through the air. So I think they're still the team to beat. Chiefs also at number two just because uh, that Mahomes factor is no joke. I mean, that do- dude does not like to lose in the playoffs. And, I mean, of course, he's going to be on the road again. But he just proved he can win in a tough environment on the road uh, along with his team finally starting to – or his offense finally starting to – you know, find find themselves once again like last year. Uh, they're looking a lot better. I'm going to put them at the two. Uh, three, I'm also going to go 49ers. Uh, kind of fringe on the two as well just because of that quarterback play. Uh, still don't know about Debo. That's also a question mark I throw in there just because he's such a big part of that offense and he got taken out of there. Uh, things kind of changed, went down late, were able to pull it out, but definitely not the prettiest of things. Lions fourth. I love the story, but – Man, just that that defensive secondary is just not that great. Like you said, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is is that standout back there. But, I mean, of course, VFL Cam Sutton hasn't looked the best. I mean, he got torched by Mike Evans the other yeah. day. So uh, that's still a big question mark for me. But I do like that Lions team. It's hard to root against them. All right. I'm going to say this, and uh, don't, don't lose your minds, but uh, number one for me, Kansas City. Mm. Um, I think my biggest – question with them has been answered in these last two games, in particular yesterday. Um, I think if Kansas City was able to get this offense rolling midway through the season, we'd have a totally different perspective on this team. And what they've proven is that Rasheed Rice is their go-to number one, and Kelsey will still be Kelsey, but getting other guys involved as well, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling did yesterday against a very good defensive team, Getting guys like uh, C.J. Watson and, and Eric or not Eric Gray Noah Gray Noah Gray involved. Um, I think yesterday proved to me that this is a, a very not the same strength Chiefs team, but if they can play like that against a defense that's really good and, and go on the road and play Josh Allen and win that game, to me that puts them over the hump. The Ravens have had by far the better track record this season. I'm not debating that. They've been better in the regular season. Uh, but the Chiefs' dominance in, in, in on defense in this playoff run uh, absolutely bottled up the best offensive team in football this season, the Dolphins. Uh, seven points. I mean, weren't even close. Um, were able to make a lot of plays yesterday to keep Josh Allen contained and also offensively get it done. My questions have been answered. Kansas City at one for me. Two is Baltimore. Um, I think from top to bottom, they've been the most complete team all season long, though I do like what I have on the other side with Kansas City. Um, the guy that's been to three Super Bowls, won two of them, um, has been to his sixth straight AFC championship game. 
Um, I think it's a tough matchup for both teams, um, but Baltimore is by far the second best, in my opinion. And, and obviously, I understand why still you know, y'all have them at one. Um, then, steep decline, uh, 49ers and Lions follow them up, uh, respectively. 49ers have a really great unit. I don't trust their quarterback play. Um, and then the Lions, great story. Too big of a liability in, in the passing game defensively. Uh, so those are my four. Um, yeah, those are my four. And um, I, I guess we'll just have to see this weekend. You know, we're going to be covering this all week. But I think that we have a really intriguing matchup in the AFC Championship game. Could go either way. Um, and then the, the, the NFC Championship game is going to really answer a lot of questions, I think, um, for us. So we'll dive into it throughout the week. Thank you so much for joining us on Overtime tonight. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll be back throughout the week. No more uh, staying at home and, and not having shows. We're happy to be back here. For William Patterson, Jace Brown, Dawson Wise, thank you so much for joining us on Overtime.